Welcome to Immigrant Success, a collaborative podcast project between the Long Beach Post and PalacioMagazine.com, exploring the successes of immigrants in Long Beach. On our premiere episode, Long Beach Post reporter Stephanie Rivera interviews Servando Orozco, CEO and founder of Orozco's Auto Service and Orozco's Franchise. Good afternoon. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by Long Beach resident and business owner, Servando Orozco. Welcome, Servando. Thank you, Stephanie. Nice uh, to be here. Thank you. Uh, Servando is the CEO and founder of Orozco's Auto Service, which has three locations, including two in Long Beach and one in Bellflower. Uh, he's also a public speaker, a consultant, and a personal coach for auto repair shops. Servando also manages to find time to give back to the community and in 2014 even published the book Orozco's Nuts and Bolts Guide to Understanding Your Car, which not only provides tips on maintaining your car, but also includes Servando's philosophies on being an entrepreneur, a good manager, and an active community member. And it also has some personal history for you as well. Um, so Servando, welcome to the podcast. And I wanted to begin uh, with your first the first story that you open up in your book that I thought was very interesting, just, you know, how you ended up in the United States. Uh, so if you can share your story of how you got to the United States. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I was working in, Me- in Mexico with a group of music, Los Muecas. Mm-hmm. I was not an artist. I was uh, not a singer. I just was a roadie. Mm-hmm. What, what did you do? Put the instruments together and make sure the equipment is working right. And they invited me to come to the United States. That was in 1987. They brought me to the city of Compton, mm-hmm. which is close to Watts, mm-hmm. South Central. And when I came here, I didn't have no idea. And the interest is very, the story is very interesting because I came for three months. Mm-hmm. And two weeks before we were supposed to go back to Mexico, I was in the wrong place. I was wearing a red teacher mm-hmm. dress, uh, red colors. And back then, they have a problems with the gangs, like the Crips and the Bloods, and I was in the wrong neighborhood. I was wearing red color in the blue neighborhood. Was this in the day and nighttime? It was around by 8 p.m. Okay. And I was shot. Mm-hmm. Thanks to God, the shooter was a bad shooter because <laughs> he only hit me once. And because of that, when the police came, he a- they asked me very insistent, what bank you belong to? I said, nah, I'm not a gangster, I'm not solo, I just, I'm here for three months. I'm going back to Mexico in two weeks. And they said, oh, no, you can't leave the country under investigation. And that's the reason I stay in this country. Because during that time, that's when I came interested, became interested to be a mechanic. Because with the place where I stay in, they, they own an auto repair shop. Mm-hmm. And now after so many years, I'm thinking, if I see that guy, I should thank him because he changed my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and luckily he didn't have a good shot either. I know, huh? And you were 19 years old, right? That's right. I was 19 years old. And you, did you stay in California when, during those couple of months, or were you other places in the United States? Most of the time, uh, in the beginning, I stayed for two, almost three years in Compton, and then I moved to, to work in Lombis in 1990. Mm-hmm. Since then, Lombis has been my home. Uh-huh. And... What, um, how did you, you said a friend um, owned an auto repair shop, but what got you interested in it? Is it just because you were around it, or did something click that you found it very interesting? And the back, well, since my childhood, always I've been in the business, uh, the entrepreneur mindset. 
When I was a kid, I was working at a gas station, uh, cleaning windshields, uh, pumping gas, chewing gums, uh, fresh water, sodas. And the owner of the gas station, one time he shared with me, like, when he came to the United States in the 50s and worked for two years, he was able to save money and open his own business back home. And always in my back of my head, I say, one day I want to go to the United States and make some money, save some money, and be an entrepreneur, have my own business. When I came here, I see the opportunity to learn skills because back home, I don't have no skills, no education, and I feel like I don't have a choice. I had to learn skills to be able to apply anywhere I can go. And I see opportunity on the automotive service industry because... I said to myself, if I learn this skill, this can be my paycheck. I can cash anytime, anywhere I can go. So at 19, you had that mindset already. You, you knew that you had an opportunity here that you couldn't let go of. Yes and no. <laughs> I have the mindset to learn the skills, to be a mechanic, to one day open my own shop. But today, when I look back, I'm impressed myself where I am today because I never thought in my dreams and my thoughts I can be what I am today. I have been so blessed to be in this country and surround myself with the right people. Um, did you ever miss home or think about wanting to go back? Yes. The first five years, uh, I was in the, in the mentality to learn to make money and go back home. And that was, to me, a problem because when, you, when, when I make a decision to be part of this country, to be part of this community, and be part of this, basically, America, mm -hmm. everything changed because I hit it with everything. I said, I don't have a choice. This is my new country. This is my new home. And I had to do whatever I had to do to succeed in this country. And that's what I did. And that was a couple of years in? Like five years later. Mm -hmm. That's when I decided to go to school and learn as much English as I can, even I didn't learn that much. <laughs> but, yeah, it's when I make the decision to stay in this country and become part of this country is when everything has changed. When I, is when I start to looking for answers, looking for help, and looking for training for skills. And I know um, early on you had almost like mentors that helped you along the way. Do you think they were very instrumental in gr letting you grow and understand? Yes. Uh, mentor has been part of my success from every steps of my business and my life. When I start, my first mentor was who taught me the art of working on cars. And then I looking for different mentors who taught me to how to be a business owner. Because I believe, you know, from mentors, coaching, training, books, everybody need help. And part of my success, my school is different than most people because I didn't go to school. But i looking for ways to educate myself, to train myself through books, through people, through classes that I purchase in the industry, mm. also on the business side. And I know um, you mentioned in your book that that first shop uh, near Long Beach and Spring Street where you were working for the, um, for the previous owner for about 10 years, and he was going to be selling the shop or he was going to be closing it, and he said you can either find another place to work or you can make your own business and start your own. Was that the first time that you had an idea of, hey, I can do this myself? Yes. 
uh, was on a shell station. I worked for 10 years, and he lost the lease of the place. It was when the opportunity arise, he asked me, hey, we're going to lose this here. You can work for somebody else, or you can open your own business. And that's when I said, now is the time, mm-hmm. and I make it happen. Um, we'll go ahead and take a small break now, and then we'll continue afterward. Definitely. Make sure to check out the Long Beach 30, a weekly news roundup podcast from the 562.org and the Long Beach Post. And Can You Hear Me, Long Beach, a weekly podcast from the Long Beach Post, arts and culture section, the high-low. You are listening to Immigrant Success, a collaborative podcast project exploring the successes of immigrants in Long Beach. Our host is Long Beach Post reporter Stephanie Rivera, her guest Servando Orozco, CEO and founder of Orozco's Auto Service and Orozco's Franchise. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Servando, I had another question. I, I know you start the story regarding how you ended up in Mexico, but later on you, you tell about how I was to be a poor boy in the Mexican countryside, specifically in Michoacan, which is where mm. you're from. Can you talk about a little of how it was to be a born boy in the, in the countryside? Uh, I was raised by... Uh, my father was a hardworking man. Uh, the knee was so big. You know, always, uh, always, sometimes I joking, like sometimes he would say, what, what are we going to eat? Back home was, are we going to eat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a big difference. Yeah. But yeah, it was, was tough, was difficult, but always in my mind, since I was a kid, I don't know why, but always thinking, I'm going to make money, I'm going to be rich one day. <laughs> I'm not rich yet, but I'm going to work on it. But that was something like it's a mindset because if you ask my brothers, they say, well, nothing we can do. You know, mm-hmm. we were happy back then because everybody was broke, everybody was poor. But that was not what I'm thinking back then. I would say I had to make the difference. I had to be different than almost everybody because I can do it. And do you think, I know you mentioned that you're the oldest of eight children. Yes. Do you feel like the pressure was on you because of that? Oh, yeah. Always, as in Mexico, when we have a big family, always the pressure is on the older ones. Even, I don't know if it's right to say this, but since I was 10 years old, everything I wear and choose, clothes, I buy my own. At one time, when I was 10, 11 years old, I used to make more money than my dad. What would you do? Clean windshields, sell sodas, uh, <laughs> pumping gas, always looking for ways to make money. Mm-hmm. And is that something that your parents pushed for you to do, or you just went, you, you wanted money, so you went out there to try to work for Most it? Most of the time it wasn't on me. Mm-hmm. And I know you said that um, you lived, um, your, your dad worked in the farm, and you helped um, with cows, with milking them. I was them. helping him to feed too. the cows, milk the, uh, milk the cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and farm always is different activities, pick them up, uh, lemons, mangoes, mm-hmm. and... But, you know, he wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning, help him to milk the cows, and then by 6 o'clock we're done, and then by 7 o'clock I had to go to the gas station and put the sodas in the refrigerator, get an ice, and then by 12 o'clock I go to school. I come back around 5.30, 6 o'clock, and then be in the gas station until 10 o'clock and go back to sleep for five hours and then get up again next day at 3 o'clock in the morning. Did you ever have fun? <laughs> Uh, well, 
that's one thing my wife sometimes asks me, you know, you never have a childhood. I said, I didn't miss it. To me, it was normal. Mm-hmm. And that ethic of work, the hard work for my dad, I think make a big difference on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of leads into my next question. What values do you feel that your parents gave you have shaped you to who you are today? My dad, well, I had the, my mom is a frugal person. Mm-hmm. Probably I learned a little bit from her mm-hmm. to be frugal. But for my dad, I learned the ethics of work. The big men, men of my work, whatever you said, make sure you deliver. Because mm-hmm. he say uh, a word, an expression, you know, the money is worth the most is your worth. Mm-hmm. That's the best money you can have. He say in Espanol, el dinero que más vale es tu palabra. Mean the money is worth the most is your worth. Mm-hmm. And he, he always uh, was a hardworking man who pushed me to do as much as I can. And that probably was one of the things I always be grateful for and thankful for, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of an, a Spanish phrase, I was reading in the book, Tirar la Vaca. Yes. I heard that one. I don't know if that's the story that your parents told you too, but I, I had never heard it. And that was a very interesting uh, little story about how to, if, if something's not working, you have to leave it behind and let yourself grow. Can you that's talk a, a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a metaphor I read, one of the books I read in the past. And I apply it to my life. I apply it to my employees. Tirar la vaca, kill the cow, means if whatever you do today, if it's not working, let it go. Because sometimes that cow can be our parents, because can be the system, can be the country, can be the company, the job, the business. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have results, and you know in your heart you do everything, 100% your job, and if you don't, you don't have the results, I mean, it's not going to work. Let it go. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see a lot of people, business, they're not willing to let it go because they have a job, because they have a business. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the parents can be the cow because they take care of the kids for everything, with whatever they need, and they're never willing to look for something else. Um, what was that cow for you? The cow to me was when I was working with a group of music. I knew they don't have a future. I knew it's no skills. And even though I was happy making decent money, but I say no. If they, my future, my destiny cannot depend on their future. I had to create my own, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, going back, you, you've talked about um, the books you've read that, that helped you, the uh, mentors, but what were some of the challenges that you feel have really shaped who you are as a businessman today? The biggest challenge I have, huh? One of the challenges I have in the past and still is English. But if I had to be honest, the biggest challenge is me. Because uh, sometimes we're looking for answers outside in different places. And all the answers is inside ourselves. Mm-hmm. We know when we can do, we know when we did 100% right or we did the best you can, we can. And we know that. Mm-hmm. We can sometimes can lie to others, but we can't lie to ourselves. And to me, that's probably the biggest uh, challenge I have, because in business, the biggest, the number one enemy for any business is the owner. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes because we are micromanagement, because we don't let it go, or because we don't delegate. What has been your one leadership skill and management skill that you feel has been working for you that has allowed you to open three locations? Lately, you ask my wife, she say probably learn to delegate. Hmm. One thing I, I did in the past is to find my job description. And I dig in as much as I can, and what I came out was like, uh, my job description is very short and very profound. It's to set the company goals, find and hire the right people, develop a system to reach the goals and grow the company, developing people, and secure the assets of the company. That five things help me a lot to make sure you know things flow the way I want to flow. And where did you learn that? From a company called Elite Worldwide. It's a coaching consulting company. They, I also become one of their coaches. Mm. Uh, now I consider myself an expert in the automotive service industry. And an expert for the experts. Yes, I that's know you right. say that. <laughs> um, uh, tell us a little bit more about what has been challenges regarding um, just opening up the shop. I remember reading that one of the things early on was customer service, that you focus so much on being a good mechanic, but you forgot about the customer service part of that. Yes, uh, what I find out, my first goal was to be the best mechanic. And I work in so hard and I do whatever I have to do to be the best mechanic. Even if I can elaborate a little bit, the fastest way to me to learn was when I find out someone who is a good mechanic, I ask him that person back, uh, back then, hey, how much are you making an hour? Whatever the amount was. And they say, can you sell me one hour of your time? And they say, why? Well, I need to learn how to test this sensor, this computer, or whatever it was. And by doing that, I learned so quickly. And I find out most of the time they don't take the money. They're willing to help people. And the second thing I learned is when you're a mechanic and you're a business owner, it's a completely different set of skills. Mm-hmm. It's a day or night. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's go ahead and stop there, and we'll come back after our last break. Thank you. Make sure to check out the Long Beach 30, a weekly news roundup podcast from the 562.org and the Long Beach Post. And Can You Hear Me, Long Beach? A weekly podcast from Long Beach Post, arts and culture section, the high-low. You are listening to Immigrant Success, a collaborative podcast project Exploring the successes of immigrants in Long Beach. Our host is Long Beach Post reporter Stephanie Rivera. Her guest, Servando Orozco, CEO and founder of Orozco's Auto Service and Orozco's Franchise. Servando, we were talking in the last segment about being a manager. Can you talk a little bit more about the skills and and what you learned from that? Yes, definitely. Uh, As I said, be a mechanic is one set of skills, be a business owner is completely different. What I discovered is if I can elaborate in 2000 and in 2000 when I opened the shop all the way to 2005, the economy was great. I was doing terrible in business when the economy was good for everybody. For me, it was not that way. And what I find out the problem was me because I didn't understand business. Take me a while when I, after I surround myself with the right people, with the right mentors, like we in the people business. You know, uh, if we want 
whatever you want to call it, money, happiness, results. Uh, but in business, it's a result of do the things right. Uh, business is a result to have the right employees, the right customers, learn to do the right marketing, have the right systems in place. And what I find out in business is like, you have to be attractive to attracting the right people, the right customers. You have to be uh, professional. And for that, you have to have a team of people around you. And that's the hardest things for most business owners to attracting quality employees, quality customers, and have an open mind to understand what they're looking for. If it's a marketing, for instance, you know, I went to different levels to, you have to be part of the community. Whatever you are, whatever your business are, whatever you live, you have to put it back, things back in the community because community is like everything else. Whatever you put it in is what you're gonna get it out. And by the end of the day, we're in the, we're in the people business. Uh, I learned to answer the question about what's the difference be a mechanic, be a business owner. Uh, we have to have a open minds or be willing to change on the industry because the industry, automotive service industry, is changed so much and we have to be adapt ourselves to the changes, to be able to adapt technology to our business and also how we communicate with customers. Because it's easy to close the eyes and say, no, I'm not gonna learn this. No, we can't do that. Uh, one of the things I looking always for people is good attitude, aptitude, and ethics. But aptitude is huge for the industry. Aptitude is everything to me, and ethics, of course, too. Uh, and then I, in the business I apply, I call the four T's. It's training, transfer, tolerate, and terminate. Meaning, when we're looking for employees, we have to let them, let them affront what we're looking for what is the minimal acceptable performance for that position has nothing to do with the person, is the position. Can they deliver the results? If not, we will train them. Are they trainable? If not, can we transfer to another position? If we don't have another position, can we tolerate for how long? And then terminate. What I mean by that, you don't want surprises. Mm -hmm. They need to know what you expect out of them in the first place. Mm -hmm. Hope I answered the question. Yes, yes. And when you were saying that, it just made me think, you know, you're focused so much on your on the business side and like any typical American, but we have to remember too, you're an immigrant and this this podcast is, is about immigrant stories and I wonder if you if that's something that comes into play when you're working as a businessman or anything, do you let that affect you or in either a bad way or in a good way or does anyone else kind of remind you? Is that an obstacle for you? On the beginning, yes, because sometimes as an immigrant, you feel uncomfortable, try to explain something in English, and you're not gonna pronounce it right, and lately, I don't care. I, I deliver my message as best I can, and that's it. Always I tell people, hey, I speak with the accent, but I don't think with the accent. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, you were touching on earlier about community involvement, and I know you mentioned that in your book, too. Why is that so important? Why do you share that with others to be involved in the community? Mm -hmm. I learned from my mentors, like when you, we say we're in the people business, it's important to support uh, local communities, groups, like, 
But one thing is very important, has to be in your heart. If it's not in your heart, it's gonna be fake mm -hmm. and do from your heart. Uh, I've been able to be part of the Kiwanis for probably 12, 13 years. Uh, part of the Lions, Toastmasters, uh, be on the board for the YMCA, uh, help uh, nonprofit organizations, doing fundraises. It's branding, can be marketing too, but the first thing has to be in your heart is uh, do things what is right. Mm -hmm. What What would you say something close to you from all the projects that you're helping with in the nonprofits? What's something that's close to you? Mm. I think Lydia House is something we, it's, it's a part of the rescue commission. We, I was looking years ago, maybe eight years ago, something like that, for a project for my kids to have something to do, to teach him, you know, how hard it is to be on the other side of the fence. And I say, you know, we can cook for them and we, once a month, but the truth, we never cook. We, we always buy the food and, and feed them, you know? And that, when I became president for the Kiwanis Club, I give it to the club. And since then, pretty much they do it and I'm the backup plan in case they can't make it. But I only go maybe once or twice a year. But that's a really nice project. Mm -hmm. You know, for especially for kids and single moms. I believe more in the future with kids and single moms who really need help. The other project, I see a lot of good things and value in the communities, uh, YMCA. Mm -hmm. I've been on the board, Fairfield, my wife also in the other uh, branch, and they really do great things for the community. Um, you said you learned a lot of your values from your parents. And you also grew up in a situation where you had no choice but to work hard. How do you try to instill that in your kids who have an easier life than what you had? Well, that's a good question. I'm very frugal to them. Uh, the only things they don't have a budget is books. They can, I can buy as many books they want to read. And even I pay $5 per book they read. Uh, as long as they have a roof, food, and books, anything else they have to earn it. Mm -hmm. It's no free lunch. <laughs> and how do you balance family with work and volunteering extracurriculars? That's hard, especially with my little kids. In the last three years, I back up maybe 50% of the things I used to do a lot because I ask my friends, what's the one thing you regret in your life? And I hear a lot of things, and I spend enough time with my kids when they were little. Because one day finish high school, they go to university, sometimes they don't come in home. And I try to do as much as I can in the last three years to spend more time with my kids. Mm -hmm. um, what would be a message that you'd like to send to maybe some newcomers that are immigrants coming here and wanting to make a better life for themselves, especially now when you hear the current administration and a lot of the rhetoric that's just telling immigrants to go back home. What do you, what do you want to tell people who are trying to come here for a better life? To work hard on themselves with the skills, with the attitude, aptitude, ethics, to prepare them for the opportunities. You know, as Les Brown said, it's better be prepared for the opportunity and don't have one than have one and not be prepared. I will tell those uh, dreamers, entrepreneurs, to dream big, think big, and work hard. 
and drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> America is a good country. It's the, it's the perfect time to be alive and to be here. And you're in America, you got it. You make it already. Doesn't matter what circumstance you have, but you're in America. Don't complain. You know, the answer is on you. Don't blame others. The moment you take full responsibility and you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm in control for whatever I want, you can do it. I hear this for Nine Gale, one of the public speakers years ago. He say, success is knowing where you are, is knowing where you want to go, and constantly you move in that direction. Mm-hmm. If you can constantly move toward where you want to be, you're going to get there. That's beautiful words. All right, well, thank you, Serrano, for joining me today. My pleasure.